You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 169 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Jay. Hello. And Andy. Good evening, chaps. We're only two podcasts in to this new year and we've got two brand spanking new books for Warhammer 40,000. Now, we're not going to be talking about both of them this week because that'd be crazy. This podcast would be huge. So instead, we're going to be concentrating on the Adeptus Custodes. And we'll also, um, next week, we'll be focusing on the Gene Stealer Cult, which is the um, the second book that came out on the same, um, or up for pre-order right now, came uh, up for pre-order on the same day. But we thought we'd concentrate on uh, those, those, those guys in gold uh, this week. Um, Jay, I know you've been super excited for this book. Yeah, yeah. It's a really, really good book. Really, really fun book. It, it, it's a big improvement on the previous codex, I think. Excellent. That's always a good sign. Uh, we've also got this week, um, kind of tying into our hobby resolutions in, in, in last week's show, what inspires us to start a new army? It's a good question, and we're going to be answering it in our top three this week. We'll also be reading out as many of the top threes that you guys have sent in towards the end of the show as well. We also have some news. I think we've got a, got a good helping in news this week, Matt. Yeah, we've got a fair bit of news this week. Excellent. But before we get stuck into all of that, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week. Andy, would you like to start us off with your hobby doings this last seven days? Every time we, we start this podcast, I wonder which order it's going to go in. <laughs> and today I was like, I know he's going to pick me first. He's going to pick me first. <laughs> um, so I've basically just been jumping into my hobby resolutions um, to try and get as many of the easy ones uh, done <laughs> in the first week. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I've i done about three of my hobby resolutions now, I think. Um, so You've done more than I did all last year. <laughs> <laughs> They're a lot easier, though. A lot easier. Um, so I painted up a name character. Um, I painted up Watch Captain Halgrim for the uh, Cursey. He's the um, sort of like the skeleton captain guy with a halberd and sword. Um, he was really fun to paint. Um, it, I'm not going to lie, though. It's got me sort of pumped to do um, a bit more Soulbite Gravelords. But Ooh, nice. I think I'm going to focus on the Cursey stuff first, get that all done. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see where the rest of the year takes me. Um, I then read the um, Sons of Bear Met Battle Tome. So one of my resolutions is to read a battle tome in a day. Um, and I'm usually quite a slow reader um, and my attention wanders from time to time. Um, so I thought it would be a bit harder than it was. Um, but yeah, the, the Sons of Bear Met Battle Tomes is very interesting to read, um, especially when I got to like the name generator. Some of the, the names are, are, are very funny. Um, so I did that and then I also posted, I think it was sometime last week, um, I did a post on the site that wasn't a review or a pre-order uh, where I talk about my hobby resolutions for 2022 and sort of like give an intro, I showcase the list, talk about last year's and yeah, that sort of stuff. Um, and I did my own thumbnail for, for that. 
don't get me wrong, the font was uh, a bit askew and um, the the picture was a bit probably not the best, but it's still a thumbnail and that's what counts. So still that ticks was, that box, Andy. Yeah, still ticks that box. Uh, and then apart from that, I have been painting up some more Mortec Guard for my Bow Reapers. So I've got another 10 of those um, painted. And um, I bought myself the um, Bone Reaper Christmas box as well. So I've sort of um, been building a few more Mortec Guard, but I'm building the, the more the I'm building the Mortec Guard now with spears and not hand weapon shields. Um, so yeah, and and that's I think that's about it really. That, so, and you say that's about it. I think that's a good week's worth of very yeah. hobbying there. Yeah, I think my hobby resolutions, I, I think I've done three this week, but I think that's, I've peaked. I'm not going to do more than three a week for the rest of the year now. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, let's see what happens next week. Excellent. Good stuff. Uh, what about yourself, Jay? What have, what have you been up to this week? I, um, I've had a great time painting Glorfindel. Um, my first um, Middle Earth uh, hero for my Rivendell Elves. Um, so it, it was sort of a bit of an experimental paint job because uh, I wasn't sure um, how I was going to approach the gold armor, the cloaks, um, and the color scheme in general. But I'm really happy with how it's turned out. Um, I, I I finished the model um, earlier in the week, and I was just waiting now for some basing materials, which turned up this morning. So I've been having a play with the basing materials, and I... I thought I'd ordered the right ones. I thought I'd ordered six millimeter uh, small, which looked like the smallest flowers you could order, but they're like almost the size of like a five pence piece. Um, I don't know if you're supposed to cut them up to put them on your base. Uh, so I'll have a go at that or whether there's a smaller size I can find somewhere on the website. There is a lot of stuff on the website. This is um, so rival crafts. That went size tends to relate to how tall they are as opposed to how wide the actual thing is. All ah, right. Yeah, so I'll have to have another look and see if there's any other ones I can get on there or chop these ones up. I might be able to chop these ones up. Um, so, yeah, so, so that, that's just been me. So it's only one model, um, but I'm not too fussed about, you know, getting loads painted. I've, I've, I've tried to do a really, really good job on this because it's only going to be a small army. You only have a, a few models in Lord of the Rings. It's a smaller scale than Warhammer. So the, the detail you sort of have to approach, I think, in a different way than you would with, with a Warhammer model. But I'm really happy with how he's turned out. I'm looking forward to. I've got um, uh, in front of me here. I've, I've based and undercoated the um, uh, Glorfindel on horse that I converted up. Um, so he's he, he'll be um, the next model I paint. Hopefully over the weekend I'll manage to finish this one, and then that's Glorfindel done. Then so yeah, so that, that's me. Really enjoyed it. I have brought. He looks really good, Jay. He looks really good. I kind of want to paint some Middle Earth myself now to see you paint him this week. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll get some pictures. I'm going to put a, a post up. Um, at the weekend uh, uh, with my, my Lord of the Rings sort of how I've started I, on, my, on my desk in front of me here I've got I've got Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas the, the, the old metal versions from the Helm's Deep set um, I've got the plastic versions of them from the recent Free Hunters box which was brilliant I've got some Rivendell Knights I've got some Rivendell Infantry and I've got some um, Galadrim uh, Elves as well including Haldir um, so I, I think I'm going to try and discipline myself and just stick and create a little warband for Glorfindel first and then I definitely want to do Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas as well. 
Um, and then I'll I'll see where my mood takes me then. I mean, this is good because you don't need to worry about painting up a big army. I don't think you, the models are so nice and characterful. I'm just I'm just enjoying painting them. So mm. yeah, um, I was going to say I've I've got I brought down Eldrad Ulfwin. I've got an old plastic version of Eldrad Ulfwin that hasn't had a paint job. I'm thinking about picking him up as my next 40k model to paint as well. Hmm. I wonder why that is. Nothing to do with all the Eldar stuff we've seen on Warhammer <laughs> Community over the last few weeks. Not at all. Excellent. Um, Matt, what about yourself? What have, what have you been up to this week? Well, I've been working on some Slanesh stuff this week. And I've just, just before the podcast, put the finishing touches to my Pain Bringers and Twin Souls. And I've got to say, I have loved painting these models. They are so cool. I didn't realise how big they are. They're kind of like Primaris. Well, in fact, they're a little bit taller than a Primaris Marine. They are really nice. You've done such a superb job on these, Matt. Cheers. I um, oh, nice. Obviously, I've got the Bliss Barbs to paint. You've got a lot less gold and a lot more purple, a lot more skin. So uh, they'll be interesting. Um, I have started painting the Slangors. And yeah, yeah. Cow monsters with fetish gear. One of them, I think, has got a thong. The other two, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know what's worse. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some horrific sights while painting these models. They're so cool. They're so cool. I, lo- I love those models. They might not be the greatest rules wise. They have had a point cut recently and they look amazing. So, yeah, looking forward to getting these guys finished too. Yeah, I, I have to say that the models that you've been doing have been like 10 out of 10, absolutely phenomenal. Almost to the point where you make me want to buy some Slanesh stuff. <laughs> and that, um, that's probably not a good thing for me. <laughs> no. On the, on the plus side, on the plus side, my, my Slanesh army's only got like 32 models in it or something like that. So I painted 10, so I'm getting there, third of the way through. It's weird to say that, isn't it? When you when you think of a Slanesh army, you think of demons of Slanesh, and you think hordes of demonettes. So to just have 32 models is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, thankfully I've already got boxes full of painted demons for summoning. So yeah, I just need to paint the mortal, so that's good. Excellent. And I've also been doing some painting this week. I've been really enjoying painting some Sister Novitiates uh, from the Kill Team Chalnef box. Um, not quite finished the um, unit yet. I wanted to try and get five of them um, done and then I'll get the rest of the other five done. But what distracted me from that is um, both myself and Jay went, and, and Andy, in fact, went to the Unicorn Club night, which was last night at the time of recording. And I really wanted to get 50 power level of Sisters built, but because I've been trying to take my time building them and trying to um, build them as best I can, because, you know, I am notorious for rushing things. Um, I didn't actually get them all built. I was going to, like, maybe proxy in a couple of times, but the fact that I'd not even got the ladies themselves on foot finished, I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, so instead, I uh, took my Admech J as a last hoorah for, for the books. We know, obviously, the new ones are on the way pretty soon. You use the Tau. Um, and we just rolled some dice, didn't we? It was just a really fun game of 40k. I, uh, I'm really enjoying Club Nights. We've had a f- couple of good games now, I think, haven't we, Dave? Of, uh, yeah. Mainly Warhammer 40k, haven't we? I don't know if you want yeah. to mix it up next month, maybe. maybe. But um, it's really good. The Club Nights are always packed. It's good to just roll some dice. We don't really care too much how it goes. Got some nice scenery there that the Purple Sparky Unicorns have painted up. But yeah, it was a fun game. It was um, it was full of some funny moments, I felt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, if, if you are in the sort of Cheshire Staffordshire area, um, check out the Purple Sparkle Unicorns. They are a, a Warhammer group that play 40k AOS. Uh, but Heresy, um, some Underworld, some other stuff as well. I know there's a, 
a new member who plays um, stuff that isn't even Games Workshop. I can't name escapes me what he plays. I'm thinking, uh, Dave. I mean, me and Matt been talking. I'm. Um, it, it's payday for me on Friday, and I'm uh, thinking about putting down a sizable order on an Eldar Aeronautica fleet. Um, and I think that might be quite quick to paint up, and it's one of my hobby resolutions as well to paint something up that's not one of the main systems. Um, so maybe we could try some Aeronautica next. Well, time. I'm yeah. I'm keen on that yeah. too. So like, I, I, I was gutted I couldn't come. I've been super busy with work and stuff, so I've not been able to meet the last few club nights. And I think I'm going to try and make the next one. And I, I think that's a good environment to play some of the, the, the non-core games, isn't it? Because it's a, a nice, relaxed night to just yeah. have a bit of a casual game. And if it's your first game and we get some rules wrong, it's not a massive deal. It's not the same kind of environment as a tournament or something, is it? No. Yeah. And, and, got... oh, sorry, Andy. And and the good thing about those sort of like specialist games is you don't need like a six-by-four-foot board. So you can literally just walk in. And, and just get into it like Warhammer Underworlds. I know at our club because it's kind of like a social club. They've got some um, moderately big size tables that you can easily get Warhammer Underworld uh, boards on and stuff like that. So, you know, some of these smaller games do appeal to me, especially at club nights and stuff. I have got some um, Valkyries built that I could I could do with getting sprayed and painted. So. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really good. I've also got my on the new Necron stuff as well. Um, they they are really nice. Um, but I've actually got some Valkyries built, so yeah, I might have to get some paint on those. Excellent. Uh, so yeah, apart apart from that, um, yeah, I've just been building sisters really. Um, not a lot to really report there. Uh, looking forward to carrying on with those. I think that brings us to a close for this intro to this week's episode. We've got those uh, those custodians to talk about soon. But before that, we're going to take a look at all of this week's news. Be right back. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, we have an exciting pre-order this week with Fury of the Deep. So this is the latest Age of Sigmar battle box. It is clocking in at £105, but just the Fire Slayers content alone, I think, worked at about £107. So, yeah, it is a big, chunky box. You get a lot of miniatures in it. There's a new character for each side. And then for the Fire Slayers, you get two sets of the Elite Fire Slayers that you can build in about three different varieties. And then a box of ten Berserkers. So, uh, yeah, that's a really good core for a Fire Slayers army. That, combined with a start collecting box, you've got you've got all the, all the Fire Slayers you need to start an army. So, really, really good from that point of view, even though it's a little bit of a shame there's no you know, new units in there by the characters. On the Ideneth Deepkin side, you get a unit of basically sword elves, a unit of bow elves, the new character, and a shark, because, you know, you always need a shark. So values-wise, this looks really good. I've got a lot of Fire Slayers already, um, but I've got none of the kind of, like, foot Ideneth. So, yeah, I think a lot of people might pick this up to kind of pad out existing armies and start new ones, which is cool. Um, interestingly, in the box, you get like a, a narrative book about uh, the state of the realm at the minute, and you get a mini core rule book as well, which is really nice to have to throw in your bag for events and stuff as well. So, yeah, it looks pretty cool. £105. Um, for Warhammer Underworlds, we've also got Black Powder's Buccaneers, which is the Ogre Underworlds warband. I say, I mean, it's all about the ogre, but I mean, the monkey's the star attraction, isn't it? 
I know you can't wait to get your hands on this one, can you, Andy? No, I mean, anything ogres I'm excited about. And then when you throw a monkey in with a knife, <laughs> it's like icing up a cake, really, isn't it? I'm really interested to see what their Age of Sigmar rules will be, because just the fact that you can have a monkey for Age of Sigmar just wins it for me. Um, and then alongside this, they've also got a new Rivals deck as well. So Rivals is the new format they introduced during Harrow Deep. And essentially, it's a pre-made deck that anyone can use, and, and you just take that deck. And this is, uh, we've not had a chance to, to have a game recently. And this is, again, another club night contender. But I really like the concept of fixed decks for Underworlds, because it kind of levels the playing field, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, I really like the idea of this. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll have to... We'll have to pick these up and, and give it a go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Games in the past that I've had, I, I, like I've i gone around to friend's house and I'm, I'm building a deck sort of on the go there and then and it takes me like you know, 15, 20 minutes. Whereas with these rival decks, you can literally, you know, like you say, just use that deck and you're done, aren't you? Just get on with it, which is yeah. great. So really good. I, I like that from a, from an accessibility point of view. So the uh, the, the the Buccaneers are twenty five pounds, which again I think those Underworlds are quite nice for testing the water for an army as well. That might cover in our top three later. But I know you've done that in the past, haven't you, Dave? Where you've picked up an Underworlds Warband as a a tester before committing to an army. So yeah, I've done it. I've done it a few times. Orcs, Fire Slayers. Yeah, it's it's a really good way of getting into it. Uh, and the deck's twelve pounds, which I don't think is a, a bad price either. For Blood Bowl fans, we've also got Nurgle Pitch Cards and Dice clocking at £28, £16 and £12.50. This is something they've been doing over the last few months and basically catching up all the old teams with the new edition stuff. So they've come out fairly rapidly, so I don't think it'll be long until every team's got their team deck and pitch and everything. And I quite like that. I think we've said in the past when we do our next Blood Bowl League, we'll probably all try and get a a home stadium mm. and have our uh, own pitch for it and there's, there's some special rules in the books to represent them as well which i think is quite fun yeah so, so yeah that's really cool now we've well, we mentioned earlier we've got some um forge world releases coming uh up for pre-order as well so for aeronautica imperialis we have got the companion uh this contains rules that have been in white dwarf expanding extra rules and aircraft and, and uh missiles and stuff it also contains the army lists for the Necrons, the Eldar, and the Space Marines. So obviously they're the newer ones that have been introduced in this uh, newest version of Aeronautica. Uh, I'll be picking up this because I fancy doing a um, Space Marine force for Aeronautica. Um, and I've got a feeling there might be a little bit of Aeronautica going on in, in Sprues and Brews very, very soon as well. So well, We've not tried it, have we? It's been out now for over, what, nearly two years, I think, is it? Or a yeah. year and a half? And we, yeah, we've absolutely. not played a game of it. Um, I mean, we've, we've only played a couple of games of Ash, um, Adeptus Titanicus, to be fair, which is another system that I really want to try again. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the fact the Eldar are out now, they've got, you've got, you know, for a while it was just Imperium and Orcs, wasn't it? Now you've got quite a few different factions to play around with. So I think there's something there for everyone now. And that's it. With this, with this book, we've got the, the, the army list for those as well, where you, you get in the starter box, you kind of get the, the rules for the units in that box, but not not everything so now you can you can make an order kind of force which is cool uh speaking of which forge uh, there, there are models for the vampire raider and what's the other one jay uh vampire raider oh gosh now you're asking me aren't you vampire raider and the vampire hunter so the big the big eldar uh plane so 
they're really cool and quite nice to have those models but in itty bitty scale it's the same kind of concept as it is uh, Titanicus isn't it where yeah. it'd be really cool to have one of those models but store it sometimes not the easiest thing to do I don't so. even think you can get the um, because obviously the Aeronautica stuff for the Aldos all the old Forge World stuff so I know mm. they still sell the Nightwings and I think they still sell the Phoenix Bombers but I don't think they sell the Vampire Hunters and Vampire Raiders anymore these are like the big ones um, so yeah it's especially good to, to grab a smaller scale version of those yeah, no, that's really cool. And then the 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 the, the new uh, faction for Aeronautica was is also up for pre-order um, this weekend, presumably Friday. Normally, Forge World stuff goes up, and that is the Necron Force for Aeronautica. Now, you're a Necron player, aren't you, Dave? And I know you've been tempted by these, but uh, dissuade maybe at them being resin. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I know that sounds crazy, but I I do really like. I always get on a bit better with plastic. Uh, maybe it's the building element of it. I'm not sure. Maybe it won't be so bad when the the small little planes. But as uh, actual miniatures, these look uh, really really fun. I'm I'm really digging the Necrons at the moment. Um, I've got quite a nice army of them, and it would be good to to fly around with them in Aeronautica. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. I I think I might um hold fire for now. I might play uh with some plastic Aeronautica. And then maybe delve into the Necrons uh, in the future. Yeah, so they're set up just Night Shroud bombers or Doom Scythe fighters, and they basically just like shrunken conversion to the 40k ones, which is really cool. Um, the, the from Forge World, so I'm guessing they'll be a little bit more expensive than the plastic ones, but obviously the detail will be really cool on them. So yes, that's really really cool. Um, I, I I I like that Aeronautica still got some support because but we talked back but last year i think we were a bit concerned that maybe it hasn't taken off and it hasn't got the support because i know at the time you were keen for the old i spotted that as well (laughs) (laughs) i know you were keen for the old and obviously with uh, faction wise really we're missing what um dracari don't really have aircraft do the tyranids would work well um and uh custodies would work custodies would work oh yeah there's lots of really cool uh fighters and the bombers and things mentioned in the custodies law which we've never seen models for i mean forge world released two of the custodian flyers but they're single um seater flyers and things like that as well that they mentioned in the in the some of the horus heresy books that would be a really really nice looking air force wouldn't it you'd only have like one plane perhaps (laughs) but this is it they can do they can do some elite ones and then that's perfect Effort for Forge World kits as well, where they're slightly bigger than the other Aeronautica models. So, yeah, I think if this goes down, you know, well, hopefully we get other kind of niche ones released because I think that'd be quite fun just to, like you said earlier, just to paint up and add to the collection an itty bitty custodian flyer. So, yeah, now if you are a fan of um, collecting miniatures weekly, in the UK we've had Imperium Magazine, which is a part work series where essentially a magazine with some miniatures every week you can collect it. Now, that is launched today, I believe, in Spain, Germany and the United States. So I know a lot of people around the world have been keen to to get on Imperium. Now you can, which is really, really cool. Um, It is. I I think this particular series, if you want to play Space Marines or Necrons or both of them, is a really, really good way to do it because you get pretty a lot of the range for the Necrons and some really cool stuff like even Gulliman is on the Space Marine side, isn't he? He is, he is, yeah. So, yeah, so so that's exciting times. Now, Jay, you've been very excited about Eldar recently, haven't you? Yeah, I can't tell you. This year for the Eldar, I'm so excited. And this week alone, there's been a lot of Eldar love on Warhammer community. So we had a bit of a, um, a kind of deep dive into Eldritch Omens. 
And interestingly, it seems to be set on an Exodite world. Yeah. Very which cool. Opens the door to all sorts of things, doesn't it? It does. I mean, we've talked before, haven't we, about how Kill Team is such a great way of bringing forward units and models from the Warhammer 40k universe that might be harder to release as a full-fledged faction. I'd love to see an Exodite Kill Team. Um, and yeah, I mean, we don't know if we're going to see one or not, but it's so cool to have the lore focused on an Exodite world. You know, what's next? A squat world? Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine? So yeah, so in this article, they do reveal that this box is up for pre-order in February. That is not long at all to give your hands on these gorgeous new old RJ. Yeah, that's great. And the, and it's it's um it, it's all new models, isn't it, in that box, apart from the Forge Fiend. So even Care Space yeah. Marines are going to be getting some of there. So, yeah. So, I mean, we, 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 they're doing a path, was it, the path of the preview every Monday where they showcase a new Eldar model. So we saw um, this week, I believe it was the um, Autark. Yeah, well, that segues yeah. nicely into the next section. So, yeah, the Autark they showed off with its many, many, many weapon options. Do you want to tell us a bit about that, Jay? Yeah, this is really cool. So they mentioned that the Autark that you get in the um, um, the um, Battle Box um, is f- um, fully compatible with the other plastic Autark that you can buy, which I've got in front of me, actually, which comes with Swooping Hawk Wings, Power Sword, and a Fusion Pistol. I don't know if it comes with any other weapons in there. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so we knew that there was some sort of glaive and reaper launcher, missile launcher that you could equip on your um, Autark. Uh, and you had that really, really cool um, feathered helm that, that with a plume. Um, and then we um, saw on Monday that there's a warp spider jump pack generator, um, a fusion gun, a, um, a death spinner, which is like the warp spider's weapon of choice, a chain sword from the striking scorpion um, um, shrine. Um, and also an alternate build for the actual torso itself, so you can build it as a female autark or a male autark. <laughs> I mean, the amount of options. Was it Dave? You were talking a week or two back how the Sisters of Battle, um, Sister mm. Superior, is it, or the Canoness has got quite a few options, and it's really cool to start seeing that um, um, flexibility when you're building a HQ character like come back. Because for a long time yeah. you were sort of set with what came in the sprue, especially with the primary Space Marines. I found, although. The uh, the two primary space marines that we uh, that were revealed on was it was it last week they were revealed on Warhammer Community or the week before? Yeah, yeah, I think it was the previous week. The banner bearer and the captain, wasn't it? Uh, in the Gravis Army, yeah. It looks like Games Workshop are realizing that actually people, especially if you play a lot of Crusade and narrative games where you like to customize your character and tell a story with your character over the course of the game, swap his weapons if he gets a relic or something like that. Really, really cool. So yeah, so I've got I've got an Autark here with the Swooping Hawk wings, which I really, really like. I'd love it if this model had a female torso and a spear, and that's exactly what you can do with the with the new battle box. You can mix and match these pieces, so that's really really cool. Um, I mean, it, it looks like you've with 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 some spare parts, you could probably get two autarchs out of this box with the number of parts you've got. Oh yeah, in there. I, th- I think I think so. Yeah, there must there must be some clever way of doing it. So um, that's really really cool. And like you've got the back banner as well, so you can put like the um, the, the, the 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 sort of well, back banner on, or you can swap it for swooping hot wings or warp spider generator. You can have the Mandy Blaster helm. You can have the sort of Die Revenger looking helm, a, a Howling Banshee looking helm. You know, you can equip your character for melee with a, a power sword and, and, and a pistol. Maybe you want to go tank hunting with a fusion gun or a Reaper a missile launcher. Um, it's gonna be. I can't. I can't wait to see what it is and what what, what new rules they get in in the, in the upcoming codex. Because if you're a Chaos Space Marine fan and a Craftworld Eldar fan, you must be really really excited for what's coming for these uh, these two factions. 
Absolutely. I mean, I'm already keen to split a box with you, Jay, to build the... I've, I've been working on a, uh, a word bearer army as well, so I am yeah. very excited to paint up some more Chaos Space Marines. And, and I say read the lore and see what's happening, because I think I'm very interested to see how the uh, Exodites may be playing to all this. So, yeah, really, really cool. Obviously, we don't know when the, the Codex is out, but presumably it's not going to be too far behind this box, surely. Well, I'm sort of in two minds here because I sort of think, yes, I want the Codex to be out next week. But then they're, they're showing a new model every Monday. So the, the longer we have to wait for the Codex, that to me tells me there's going to be lots of new Eldar models. <laughs> yeah. And I think, so, you know what? I think, I think that might be the case. And this is a nice little way of being able to work on the Eldar gradually, even if, it, I don't know, even if, say, Easter the old R codex comes out. That's a lot of Mondays between now and Easter, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. And and you've got Shroud Runners, you've got um what is it? Rain, new, the new Rangers and the new Autark to be playing around with in the meantime. Yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting time. What's it definitely, exciting, it definitely oh, feels sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Matt. Um, it definitely feels like it almost like a sisters of battle reboot, doesn't it, of the army. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? I think it's probably to that scale as well because uh, we've yeah. said been in the past. Eldar have got a lot of older kits that needed plastics, and um, a, uh, you can do that gradually, but it means that every couple of years, Eldar get one or two new kits. You need a big, massive, I don't know, eight to twelve kits army mm. release to really refresh an old range. Don't yeah. You do. And, you do. I, and I, I like the fact that they're lavishing some attention on the Craft World Elder, because the Craft World Elder in particular have been such an important faction through many of the different events that have happened in the Warhammer 40,000 um, timeline. And we've seen lots of love for the Orcs recently. They've had two great codexes with two great new ranges of models. Um, we saw the Necrons get revitalized with the, the beginning of ninth with um a whole load of new necron kits mm. and the craft world eldar were never really they've not really had the been the focus of any main narrative sort of story arc apart from the inari thing but you know it's a bit different than the craft world eldar um so it's really really cool for, for games workshop so you know craft world Elder, they're one of the you know one of the original factions really for the 40 warhammer 40k so it's really really cool to see them getting some love and yeah, also definitely. the fact that I'm a big Eldar fan. I mean, the the, the old Eldar, they were the army I, that got me into the game actually. So they were they they were the army I started with. So I mean, as much as I hate to admit it, I have got a soft spot for the Eldar. I had a Bealtan army back in the day. So uh, as, I, I don't think I'd start a new Eldar army, but it is nice to see them get that love. And uh, I think a lot of a lot of players might have old Eldar armies that they get out of uh, retirement if there's new kits to add to them as well. So that's really cool. What's also really cool is that there, there's five new combat patrol boxes on the way. So Game Twitch have been slowly replacing the start collecting boxes with combat patrol boxes. They've got a higher cost, but arguably start. They contain a small army as opposed to a random selection of models, don't you? I think that's the idea. It's a you can buy this box and essentially start playing uh, Crusade games with them. So we have got a Tau one that looks really, really cool. There's stealth suits in there, Pathfinders, the big, I forget what it's called, Ghost Keel, is it? The big stealth suit? Yeah, is yeah. There, I don't think there's Pathfinders in there. I think you've got, uh, no, you've, oh, got strike you've got Strike Team, which I think you can build as a Strike Team or a Breacher Squad. Um, but then you're right with everything else there, Matt. Yeah, the, the Ethereal, the Fireblade Cadre, so you've got two HQ options. The um, stealth suit and the ghost keel. So yeah, really, really nice rounded force. Um, yeah, um, um, but essentially army in a box, which is what these boxes should be, which is really cool. And like you say, with the two heroes in them as well, it kind of 
often you just get one of them where this does give you st- a, a load of stuff that you'd use in an army as well, which is really cool to see. Now, alongside this, we've got the Grey Knights coming and the Thousand Suns. We've seen the contents of these already in the individual codexes, and I think we've talked about them in the past. The Grey Knights one, I quite like. You've got a mixture of Terminator power armor and the big um, Dread Knights, is it called? The big stompy uh, suit. Yep, and the library. The Thousand well. Sun ones. Oh, and the library, nice. The Thousand yeah. Sun ones, for me personally, is very Zangor heavy. Yeah, because I, 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 I like the Thousand Suns, and I actually um, I have quite a lot of them to, to build and paint, but I'm, I'm a bit scared of them, to be honest. Um, but uh, I'm part of, sort of Thousand Sun groups on Facebook, and they're, they're all very salty about this box, because Zangos aren't really that great, and they seem to be in every Thousand Suns box. Um, so, yeah, it could have been, could have been better, this one. Missed the mark. So that's a shame, but we have got two really good ones. So there's a Custodes one which contains 10 Sisters of Silence, which I think are about 20-odd quid a box alone, plus a box of five custodies and a box of jet bikes. That looks like a really good box to me. Mm. How many different units can you build from that? Yeah, it is really, really cool. It's good to see the Sisters of Silence in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we're touching on that in the review in a little bit. I think the best combat patrol out of this wave and possibly that we've ever had is the gene stealer Colts one though now we'll be talking about the gene stealer Colts next week and and we'll be telling of uh, how they got on in games that we've had but this combat patrol has got so much stuff in it you get two boxes of neophytes which are your basic infantry that you want loads of anyway in the new book you get a box of acolytes a box of aberrants you get a magos on foot and you also get the um the Goliath rock grinder. So much stuff in that it's box. It's like 30 odd miniatures, isn't it? I think. Yeah, 32 miniatures, which, 30, considering right. one of them is a, you know, a, a tank. An incredible <laughs> um, tank. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, they are really brutal now in the new book. Really, really, really good. It's, um, I think, gone are the days where you get these kind of boxes. Oh, I that obviously we've talked about the thousand tons ones but i think this is a good example of a box where even if you've got an existing army you buy this box and maybe with the exception of the magus because you probably already have one already everything else you'll use and there's stuff in there that can be built in different ways as well so yeah i think i rate this as the best combat patrol i've done yeah was it um i seem to recall the gene stealer cult sort of boxes in the past have been quite expensive or quite not great, not not like ideal ways of starting a gene steel car. So, they come yeah. out with space wolves initially in a battle box with space wolves, I recall. They, 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 they've been in a few. They've been in a few. And I think because they were essentially a new army, um, they've been in less boxes. And there have been some good boxes. There's been some okay. battle forces with uh, the, the £100 battle force with gene steelers in for a long time was the best way to start an army. But obviously, they're only available for a, a short window. The uh, the old start collecting boxes, it's all right. It's um, it's pretty good. You get you get a squad of neophytes, you get a squad of acolytes, you get a ridge runner, which is cool, and you get the uh, the the icon ward. If you can and you want to start a genius difficult army, I'd recommend picking up that for sixty pounds. Then pick up the combat patrol for eighty two, is it something like that? And um, that will give you 
a full Gene Steeler Corps army with all your various options that you need, and with that you could build a unit of acolytes and a unit of metamorphs, and you've got your unit of aberrants. You've got your banner bearer for bringing back models. You've got your magus to lead them. Arguably, all you'd really need to add there is some of the the, the hero options. Then um, that seems a really good way to get into the army. So if you are thinking of doing it, pick this up. So yeah, there's the news for this week. Some some pretty cool stuff on the way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, good good selection of stuff. We have got plenty to get through on this week's podcast. It's time for Jay to open the custodian tome that is the new codex, and we're going to chat about that next. So up for pre-order right now are two brand new codexes for Warhammer 40,000. We've got the Gene Steel Cults, which we're going to be talking about next week. And we have the Adeptus Custodians, which we're going to be talking about right now. Well, in particular, Jay, you're you're kind of our resident custodian uh, on oh, this podcast. Although, so Andy, I believe you've got quite a big custodians army as well. Yeah, it's crazy to think that that two of the ten thousand are within a few miles of each other. It's crazy, isn't it? The whole galaxy, two of the ten thousand. You know, myself and Andy. That, that's all Earth needs. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right, actually. You're probably right. Um, so would you like to take us through the book, Jay? Yeah, yeah. We were very lucky. Games Workshop sent us a copy of the Adeptus Custodius Codex to um, to review. Um, and it, it has been an army I've loved using. I love the background for the Adeptus Custodius. Um, they're really, really cool in the um, uh, the, Siege, uh, the the Horus Heresy series and the Siege of Terror books. Uh, Master of Mankind is fantastic. If you've got any sort of interest in the Adeptus Custodius or you're sort of on the fence whether you like them or not, read Master of Mankind and you'll probably want to go out and buy 10 of those combat patrol boxes. Um <clears throat> So, yeah, so so the new codex, it, it's, um, like I say, a big improvement, I think, on the current codex. Um, you get um, a load of new lore in the book um, that goes into, so the custodians sort of operate in what's known as shield hosts, which think of them as like the equivalent of chapters for Space Marines. Um, they get, you know, their own way of fighting, their own rules, their own relics, their own wall of tricks. Um, and each of them have got their own sort of background and speciality. And um, this book goes into more detail about the different shield hosts and spends a bit more time on them. Um, you get uh, information about key members of the shield host and like little passages about what they've achieved. Um, there's lots of really cool lore about what the custodians have been up to um, since the, the founding of the Imperium, the Great Crusade, the Horus Heresy, after the Horus Heresy, the sort of interactions they have with other organizations in the imperium because of course these guys they only answer to the emperor they they, they don't answer to anybody else and and it, it's interesting to see the distrust they they sort of view other organizations particularly the the adeptus astartes in um really, really cool there's also lots of really really cool easter eggs and little teases and um I, you know warhammer 40,000 is littered with these little references and sort of um uh, redacted notes that could but, you know, who, who are the, the missing Primarchs and things like that? And this book's got lots of little things like that, in which which are really, really cool if you're into the Warhammer 40,000 setting, I think. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed reading through the lore of, of this book. Um, the Codex itself. So um, what did the Adeptus Custodes lose with this new book? So um, really, um, they didn't lose much. Um, the Adeptus Custodes, they had access to um, a 3 plus invulnerable save. And we've seen with a lot of the 9th edition books that that 3 plus invulnerable save, the Blade Guard veterans, for example, their Storm Shields are now 4 plus. There's not much out there now that has a 3 plus invulnerable save. Um, the Custodes lost theirs. So they, they still have 
access to a few free plus invulnerable saves, but they're sort of temporary free plus invulnerable. They last a phase or a turn or once per battle rather than the entire game. Um, they lost objective secured on their infantry, which was a rule they had to make up for the fact that you don't have many models. All of their units can contest objective. They lost that rule. In its place, every custody um, infantry model uh, counts as two models, and there are ways to, to allow models to count as even more models as well for the purposes of objective secured. Um, they lost a few stratagems, and some of the stratagems that they lost, I, I would admit, were they were very powerful stratagems, so that the, the ability to reduce damage on uh, their vehicles and things like that, they lost the sweeping dive stratagem that allowed um, their jet bikes to sort of intercept charges has gone. Um, but really, that's all they lost. And it, what they gained, they're now tougher than they've ever been. Uh, they've got more wounds. Um, they've got more ways to stack armor save modifiers to, to negate the AP of the enemy attacks. Their um, uh, Aegis of the Emperor rule, which gave them that six plus um, feel no pain save against mortal wounds from the psychic phase, now applies to any mortal wounds. Uh, and some of the shield hosts, they, they, they can get that to a four plus save against mortal wounds. Um, so they're tougher than they've ever been. Um, they get more attacks than they've ever had. So one of my bugbears with the Adeptus Custodes is that a bog-standard Primaris Intercessor got more attacks than a Custodian Guard. Um, that's no longer the case in certain situations. There's lots of ways to stack attacks, give squads extra attacks, and the quality of those attacks is improved. So, um, okay, the, 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 the reroll ones to hit and reroll ones to wound rerolls that they had, those auras, they're now restricted to core units, which is, you know, we expected that. That's what we see. But there are other ways to improve the... Um, um, quality of those attacks, other ways to get those re-rolls to your units when they need them and things like that, uh, and, and to increase the number of attacks, like I mentioned. So, that, so, so, so that's another improvement they had. Um, their shooting game, whilst they're not admec or Drukari level of shooting firepower, they have had buffs to their weapons. So some of their weapons have had improved stats. Um, they've got ways and mechanics which allow them to get additional shots off, increase the range of their shots, to shoot while they're performing actions to fall back and shoot, to advance and things like that. So, so okay, their shooting is not, they're not the best shooting army in the game, but their shooting has improved over their previous um, book. And then the last thing, which I think that they've seen a big improvement is their mobility. Um, so they've got access to so many ways to move up the board quickly, move up the board and get onto objectives quickly. Um, lots of ways to do really funky heroic interventions and weird piling moves and weird consolidation moves they're a really mobile army and that's one thing actually i'd like to spend some time with the book and, and practicing is making the most of that sort of enhanced mobility they've got because i think i think this allows them to play the objective game a lot stronger whereas previously you'd, you'd just be either camping an objective and just trying to uh, i can't remember what the name of the secondary is now to, where you basically pick a unit and keep it alive now you can sort of play more objective games, more of those engage on all front type objectives where you've got to try and spread around the board because they've got that mobility. Um, so I think that's great. Uh, and I mean, I'd be happy with that. But on top of that, they get all these new shield host rules. They get these martial guitar stances. Their characters are the amount of um, um, customizations and combinations and different traits and things you can apply to their character can turn them into real workhorses for your army. They're, they're terrifying, really. So that's an overall summary, I think, of, of what the custodians have gained and what they've lost. Um, what I'll do is I, I'm not going to go through the whole book, uh, but what we'll do is I'll just talk about the, the shield host because I think that that's quite a, a unique, fun sort of mechanic for the custodians. 
I'll talk a little bit about the Marshall Qatar stances, which initially they're quite confusing. And I do think that you're going to have to practice with these guitars and um, and figure them out and figure out what's best for your army and how to use them effectively. But there's a lot of power there to unlock, I feel. Yeah, um, I think when I, when I, because I, I, I borrowed this book to do the, the video for our YouTube channel, um, that was the only kind of part in the book where I kind of almost paused and mm. it, it needs, it needs a couple of reads. And I think you actually need to get a game with them to really understand how these stances work. Because to me, and, and you've, you've obviously had this a lot longer than I have, Jay, it was like, so, okay, so your shield host has got this stance. Does that replace one of the stances that you can go into? Um, is it in addition to, it, it just wasn't to me, it wasn't quite clear of all the new mechanics we've seen because, and I, I like this. I like the fact that all these new 40k codexes that we've got, I've all got these almost like unique mechanics to make, you know, to give you another reason to cut that army. And this is obviously the custodian one. Um, but I just think it's not quite as clean, but I like that because you're an elite army and you don't just want a straightforward mechanic for them. I don't think. No, it's not the easiest of mechanics to get to grips with. And there is elements of luck involved because obviously I'll talk about the stances in a moment, but you have to sort of order them at the beginning of the game. You have to choose when you move into them. You can't go back. There are ways to activate them again and other stances and things, but you move through them over the course of a game. And if, you know, if you're not in the right place at the right time and that stance isn't, you know, the right stance to use at a particular moment in time, you've wasted it um so that so so yeah it's not the most intuitive and easy of, of mechanics to use i think but i i do think there's a lot of power in it which i'll you know i'll talk about in a moment um so yeah so let, let's just talk about the stances though so these martial guitar stances so you get six of them and basically at the beginning of the game you pick three of these martial guitars and each of them have got two stances inside them and you 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 order them and then in each command phase you either um move on to the next martial Qatar in your um, ordering and choose a stance from that, or you choose the other stance from the martial Qatar you're currently in. And then, so basically, you know, you get five turns, you move through these stances. Um, the stances give different bonuses. And I think most of these have been previewed on Warhammer community now. So there's like Salvus uh, martial Qatar, for example, which has stances that improve the range of your weapons or, um, allow you to fire twice with your auric weapons which are basically your um your, your, your guardian spears and guardian axes and that sort of thing um you've got um stances here like captaris which are um uh, more melee focused uh, sorry martial guitars captaris which are more which have more melee focused stances so um they, they make you um um more efficient in the melee phase so enemy enemy uh, units can't reroll their hits against you so that improves your resilience your toughness or um, you can um, add add one to your wound rolls when you're fighting particular enemy types, um, and you can see straight away there. Well, okay, if you're not, you know, if you're not in that particular stance at the time you're fighting that particular enemy, you've missed that opportunity. So there is some finesse to it, I think. Um, but you do get um, stratagems, warlord traits, other abilities that allow you to sort of activate multiple stances at once, or go back to a stance that you may have, um, you may want to activate later in the game, and things like that. So you do get, you know, for a particular unit, so you do get some flexibility to to um, recover if you've not um, prepared your, your martial guitars and stances in the correct order at the start of the game. Uh, you do get a bit of um, uh, what's the word uh, forgiveness to to go back and and, and fix that. 
Um, so they're, they're your Marshall guitars. And like you say, most of those have been previewed now on Warhammer Community. So you can go in and see the different kind of buffs that you get in there. Um, and then the other thing that you really get are the shield hosts. So these are like your chapters. Uh, and each shield host has two traits that you get. Um, so, for example, if you were the um, Shadow Keepers, and if I just quickly go to the um, Shadow Keepers uh, page. Um, so this would be the equivalent of choosing like Ultramarines as your Space Marine chapter. They get two traits. So the first trait they get is that when a Shadow Keepers unit is within um, the engagement range of um, an enemy unit, the enemy unit subtracts one from the number of attacks they make. So if you're fighting some elite Death Guard, they're now subtracting one from the amount of those Nurgle Flayer weapons that are coming at you. Um, in addition, their second trait allows them to um, um, reroll wound rolls when they're fighting characters. Um, and each each of the six shield hosts get get traits like that. So you've got some some shield hosts that focus more on hunting down enemy monsters and characters. Some shield hosts that focus more on uh, moving quickly across the board, rerolling charges, uh, uh, improved advance and uh, charge rolls. Um, you get some um, shield hosts which focus more on um, sort of holding objectives and being more defensive. And then you get a really good one, actually, which is the Emperor's Chosen Shield Host, which is sort of your default shield host. And this is the most flexible of all the shield hosts. So it has a really good set of traits. You basically get a free reroll to hit to wounds when um, you make an attack with a unit. Um, and they also have this improved sort of um, mortal wound defenses so uh, they get a four plus feel no pain save against mortal wounds rather than a six plus feel no pain save so i mean that's just good against any army you're fighting but what's really cool about this shield host is that their unique stratagem allows them to pick another shield host and enable those traits on a unit for for a, um, a phase i believe so you know you could take the emperor's chosen then when you've got a particular unit in combat with a scary monster you you use the stratagem on that unit and enable the shadow keepers traits uh, you want a unit of jet bikes to be able to fall back and charge. You enable the um, Solar Watch shield host traits, and that unit of jet bikes then can fall back and charge another unit. So I actually think the Emperor's Chosen is probably the, the default go-to go shield host to use. Um, these individual shield hosts, well, they come with their own warlord traits, their own relics, and their own stratagems that you can use for those shield hosts. That's really cool. Um, so that's the sort of main mechanics um, in a nutshell. Oh, one last thing to mention on the shield host, actually, is they have a preferred martial guitar. So each shield host has a different one of those six martial guitars that it prefers. And what that basically means is that when you activate that martial guitar, you activate both stances rather than one for a turn, which is really cool as well. And like I say, then you, you can also use stratagems and warlord traits and things to go back and use that stance again if you need to or on a particular unit. So, you know, it, it, I think there's plenty of opportunity and plenty of ways to work around that. What looks like initially quite a limiting, restricted sort of system, I think you've got lots of ways to sort of work work around it through through the course of a game. Um, one last thing I mentioned about sort of the army as a whole, your characters. The characters are so cool. So all the characters pretty much got extra runes and extra attacks. Um, they get access to some really, really cool stratagems. Um, for example, the best one, earning of a name. So if, a, if one of your characters kills a, an enemy character, you can select a trait from any of the shield host or a stance from any of the martial guitars, and they have that active for the rest of the game. Um, mm. You can further buff them using the captain, captain commander system, which is um, almost like a set of warlord traits that you give to the particular uh, type of shield captain. So a, a terminator shield captain, a bike shield captain, or a regular shield captain. There's, there's nine of them to choose from. These are very similar to what we saw in the Psychic Awakening book. There have been some changes. I love them. They're great. They're just 
I haven't seen a bad sort of buff that you can give give to your um your units here. And like uh, one of the um, great ones is the uh, Master of Stances that you can give to a shield captain, a regular shield captain. And this allows them to choose one uh, custodian core or custodian character unit within six inches and um, benefit from both of the stances of the current Marshal Qatar. So, you know, for, for two turns there, you're getting all the stances for a particular unit. So really, really cool. Um, there's also ways to stack warlord traits on characters. So a character can be walking around with two warlord traits. Um, my favorite combo that I can see at the moment is a is a, a blade champion, the new unit that's come out for the Adeptus Custodes. You can basically turn that into uh, a demon Primarch hunter where it, it's making the demon Primarch fight last. It's um, re-rolling its hits, re-rolling its wounds, plus one to wound against the demon Primarch, turning off invulnerable saves for that demon Primarch. Bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that you can stack warlord traits on a character you can give them a captain commander trait you can then use the earning of a name to give them um uh, another shield host trait or a mark stance that's like four or five different combination uh, abilities that you can sort of combine on a particular character uh, I, I don't think you can do that maybe black templars come close with their sort of relics that you can give to the different um units and whatnot but i think this is the most customization i've seen in any warhammer 40k codex so then we come to the Crusade section, which is, um, you know, we, we love the Crusade sections of the uh, Warhammer 40,000 codexes. The um, Adeptus Custodius Crusade section, the actual Crusade mechanic itself is very similar to the Black Templars one. So rather than sort of creating a, a, an oath of Crusade that you go on, you create this, um, is it called a Magis, Magisterum Lex, I think it's called? Magisterum Lex Ultima. Um, and you basically choose a bunch of imperatives, which are like objectives. I think you choose three of them. Um, and then you get nine battles to complete each of those objectives. And then if, if you're successful, you get a different reward based on the imperative that you were on. Uh, and if you fail, um, you're dishonored. And, and the shield captain that declared that Magisterum or claimed that Magisterum Lex Ultima um, has to roll on this dishonor table. And then for, for so many games after that, he's trying to redeem himself. So, um very very narrative because obviously the custodians take their uh, duties very seriously um so it's quite a straightforward crusade system it, it, you know you're basically working these nine game cycles trying to complete your um your different imperatives and the rewards are pretty standard extra acquisition points extra experience um extra traits you get to use different stratagems for free in your games and things like that all very good the crusade relics though They've got two types of Crusade Relics. They've got your standard Crusade Relics, Artifice, Antiquity, Legendary. Some really cool stuff in these, including the Apollyon Spear, which is the uh, weapon that Valdor uses in the Horus Heresy, back with its amazing rules of ignoring invulnerable saves. <laughs> A bonkers spear. Uh, but then you get the Artifacts of the Vaults, which are cool. So these are all taken from the Horus Heresy rulebooks, you know, the Horus Heresy 30k system. Um, airy strikes mortis guiders these are all like equipment that you can give your 30k characters and basically if you're on these this uh, magisterium lex ultima you basically can open these vaults and one of your characters can use one of these items temporarily for a particular battle or a particular game um and there's some really really cool like i say this is all taken from the horror series it's all really really interesting to if you're into the, the adeptus custodius background and you're into the the 40k setting and the Great Crusade and the Horus Heresy, you'll love what you can see in this book. Really, really cool. So I really like the uh, Crusade system. And then of course you get your name generator, which is synonymous really with the Adeptus Custodians. They like to inscribe the name on the inside of their armor. And there's there's like what, 130 odd different names here that you can choose from. Um, so 
that's pretty much it. I didn't really want to dive too much into the different units. On the whole, the units haven't changed very much. Your characters have got extra wounds, extra attacks. Trajan Valoris has had a bit of a rework. He's lost his three plus invulnerable save, but he's got some more defensive abilities and his moment shackle now is very, very cool as well. He's also got a really, really cool uh, damage-free weapon as well. But on the whole, the rest of the other units didn't really change too much. Uh, one of the big changes in this sort of area of the codex is the addition of the Sisters of Silence. So you get a Sisters of Silence unit in each slot um, and you get rules at the beginning of the uh, match play. Uh, sorry, the the, the, the um, rule section of the codex about creating your different detachments. So you can add Sisters of Silence units to an Adeptus Custodes detachment with some limitations. Uh, you have to have um, more Custodes units than you do Sisters of Silence. Or you can just build a Sisters of Silence detachment. Um, there are Sisters of Silence HQ options here and troops options, fast attack options all the way. You know, um, I wouldn't say a pure Sisters of Silence army is the strongest build in the book. They have uh, a limited Warlord trait table. They have a limited um, relic section, but they don't have access to any of those shield host traits. They don't have access to any of the martial katars. They don't really get access to any of the crusade content. So I'm not sure how much fun you'd have with a pure sisters army. Including them in a custodian detachment, though, is I can see the benefits of that definitely because they they provide that additional psychic defense for your army which so you know that's another improvement this version of the adeptus custodius book has got over the last one it, previously you'd be very nervous about fighting thousand suns death guard gray knights now with a couple of units of sisters of silence in there and they've got access to some really really nice warlord traits um you can you can basically put up a really good defense against um psychic armies that you come across what um, it would look though is absolutely fabulous. So I'm just shy of a thousand points of Sisters of Silence. So yeah, you'd say they're not the most competitive. I think I might put together a Crusade Force of them just because I can now. <laughs> yeah, well that's it, and and that's what's good about this book is you can, you know, you you you've got a full um, complement of Sisters of Silence units there. It'll be interesting to see whether Forge World release any rules for the Sisters of Silence units that they used to sell um, for the. For the horse in a similar way they've done that with the custodian mm. units that that on Fordwell because that that would add a bit more um, options as well um, and a bit of anti tank punch with the uh, the vehicle as well yeah so I, I, it would be great to see that so yeah so so in a nutshell I think this codex is a big improvement over the previous one there has been some uh, criticism online I think about the fact that um, the the weapons so the melee weapons these have all changed really now they used to be damage free they're now damage uh, damage D free sorry they're now flat damage D, uh, two, which I think is great. I think that's great. That will kill a primary intercessor in one hit, rather than previously you potentially be wasting damage on primary intercessors. Okay, there are a few armies out there that reduce the damage they suffer by one. Beast snaggers have uh, have an effect similar to that. Death guard reduce the damage they take by one. They're over. I think some of the gene steel cults do as well. Do they? Um, yeah. So so and that does hurt you. But there are ways to work around that. You can um, use those martial katar stance to sacrifice a point of damage to add an extra attack. You can sit around one of the Vexilla Praetors to get extra attacks. Um, you've got ways to um, shut down the sort of reroll abilities and buffing effects that enemy units will be using against you to, to limit their offensive power, allow you to better absorb their attacks so then you can kill them. Maybe it takes you two turns to kill them rather than one. So I don't see it as a big downside, and I prefer the flat two damage, to be fair, on, on a lot of these weapons. I prefer that. I, I I saw some of the comments about people being gutted that they couldn't do free damage with the custodian axes. But the, the thing there is, 
as, as you know, you could be doing three damage, but then you could also be doing one, and it didn't feel like a custodian would be that inconsistent in combat. Yeah. So yeah, I, I much prefer the yeah. flat damage. And, and the D three damage as well. You waste it. You know, you might do you might do one damage with your first hit against the primary intercessor, and then roll a free damage on your second hit and that's two damage wasted there you don't get that now here okay there's going to be some good matchups and some bad matchups but that's the case for any unit in warhammer 40k and on the whole i think the custodians they'll get more damage through even with the damage two and the death guards uh, in a damage reduction they're, they're going to get more damage through because the quality of the attacks has improved um, the amount of buffs for their attacks and the way you can sort of add extra attacks re-rolls that sort of thing the way you can get to combat quickly uh, all the sort of debuffs you can put on the opponent, I, I just think you're much better in the melee phase now than you've ever been. And your characters are solid. And actually, it's your characters where you can get that damage free, which is, you know, which people want. Trajan Valorus has got the damage free axe. Your Blade, Gar- uh, Blade Champion has got his damage free sword. There's relics in here that have damage free. So there are ways of getting that damage free on key units if you need it. Um, so, yeah, so I, I really like it. I think it's a great book. Um I am looking forward to building a 1,000 point army with this book. Um, they're not the cheapest of units. They never have been. I'd really like to build a, and use. A, we play mainly 1,000 points, but I'd really like to play a 2,000 point battle with these guys. Because I think at 2,000 points, these guys are going to be terrifying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you think of all the four twelve units you can add into these as well. Yeah, so your, your different dreadnoughts. Um, you've got the tanks as well. So, yeah, because those are quite a rounded force now with the inclusion of the Sisters of Silence for that extra psychic defense and the Forge World um, sort of roster. They're they're a pretty um, rounded force now. I really like them. Um, The stratagems, I I did mention the stratagems. They've had a few of them taken out, but there's a lot of good ones in here. You get 33 yards. I'm really happy with the stratagems. Sometimes you get duff stratagems that you're like, well, I'm never going to use that. I can see a use for the majority of the stratagems in this book. Um, There's a few stratagems in here which sort of, interact with the sisters of silence as well which is really good to see so it does sort of encourage you to include a few sisters of silence units in your in your um, army too mm. i mean my favorites here the emperor's auspice to switch off um re-rolls for a target units there eternal penitent is still there which uh, basically buffs up your dreadnoughts gives them extra attacks lets them re-roll charges um like i say you've got that really cool um uh, earning of a name stratagem as well for the um as um adding extra traits and stances to your characters when they start to get things done really really cool excellent yeah sounds like a really good book andy as a another custodian player from what you've seen and, and read of jay's review and, and obviously the, this podcast what's your first impressions of the book um so my first impressions is it's still going to be it it feels like they've brought them into ninth edition as silly as that is to say you know it feels like they're, they're still going to be an elite army they're going to be great in combat but shooting is going to be obviously a, a little bit of a downside to them um one of the things that i, I mean i i did it at custodies for um for my first army getting back into to 40k after quite a big break because they were a small elite army that I could quickly learn the game with. And I, I, I still look at them and think the shooting phase, okay, maybe, you know, they shouldn't be as good as, you know, Tau or Admech and Drukari and stuff like that in terms of shooting. But I still look at them and think, is it enough? But then you've got the, the jet bikes, you've got, um, uh, the contempt of dreadnoughts you know you've got access to the the stuff from forge world so once you start 
adding those units in the, the codex becomes everything that I wanted it to be and a little bit more um, I mean I, I I agree with Jay I think um, playing you know 2000 point game with these guys you know you, you're going to get the most out of them because you can include yeah, those, most stuff yeah. yeah you can include that custodian tank which which at a thousand points is is quite restrictive i think it's very hard to include a custodian grav tank but in 2000 points you can include one and yeah you've got some anti-tank punch there or some anti-infantry punch they've got some really nice range weapons the adeptus custodians have um yeah i i'm gonna say i think i think there'll be a really fun army to use at 2000 points and the shooting has improved andy they are much better at shooting than they have ever been but you're right that they still don't compete with space marines or or admech or drukari anything like that but <sighs> It, you know, it's just the play style of the army, isn't it? They are a more yeah. melee focused in your face, get on to objectives. They're much more mobile now. So, you know, maybe shooting, being a bit, bit, bit weaker at shooting isn't such a problem if you can close with the enemy quickly and lock them down. So, I don't know about you, Matt, but it's, it's very tempted me to uh, get a small custodian force together at some point. Well, like I say, it's uh, that, that start collecting box, the combat patrol even that I mentioned earlier, just doing a little bit of math there, you get approximately 700 points worth of stuff. Like, oh, wow. I could pick up that box, add it to the sisters I've got, and have it be a very sisters-heavy force, but it's a nice yeah. start of a custodian, certainly a custodian uh, crusade force. Nice, nice. And 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 like you've got the 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 each of the different shield hosts as well. Fave is a sort of different playstyle for the custodians. So you've got you've got a shield host that that that's more um, close combat oriented. A shield host that's more focused on hunting monsters and characters. A shield host that's that's more about sitting on objectives and weathering firepower, weathering attacks, and just sort of frustrating the opponent. You've got the two shield hosts, the dread host and the solar watch, which are all about moving up the ball quickly so they can play the objective game or or the get into combat quite quickly. So you've got different play styles in there. Um, and also you've got um, really cool um, um, color schemes as well. Different paint schemes for the different shield hosts. So you you, know, you get a traditional golden custodian armor, but I really like the um, Shadow Keeper's black armor with the gold trim, or the, um, I think it's the um, Solar Watch, I could be wrong, which is like the bone armor, like the um, mm-hmm. ivory armor, really nice. So yeah. Yeah, I think we'll see a lot of Custodes armies pop up in the next few months. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I think what's really good about this this book is, is that it it does allow the Adeptus Custodes to to play more of the Ninth Edition game. I think you, you know the fact that they're much more mobile, they can get up to objectives, sort of unlocks a few secondary objectives, um, which ordinarily you wouldn't choose because you're either too slow or that's not the game you could have really played with the old codex it's a bit hard to get onto those objectives quite quickly it's a bit hard to really get into those different table quarters with such limited number of units whereas now you can so it's going to give you more options in those match play games as well i think excellent that was a really good run through the book jake now if you want to take your time and, and sort of maybe read up about the book in more detail jay has quite handily done a uh, large comprehensive review of the book over on spruceandbruce.com the link of which will be found in the podcast notes you'll be able, be able to very quickly click that uh, and get taken through to the website and um, we've also got a video which goes through the contents of the book as well um so uh, so yeah it's uh it's all there on the website to check out i think that brings us to the end of that segment um so uh we will uh take a quick pause and we'll be back with this week's top three
So for this week's top three, we decided to take a look at what inspires us to start a new project slash army. It kind of ties in with last week's hobby resolution podcast. It's 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 also a top three that we've visited a few times over the years since we, we started the show and it's nice to see it kind of evolve like the the way we sort of tackle and look at projects um and what sort of fires us up to start it off it's kind of changed as we've matured and the way that we kind of play uh, these games of warhammer um, have changed i'm going to start us off this week with um with my top three uh, and my third choice for sure uh, is different than when it you know say if we did this um way back at the start of of, of sprues and brews um and that is paint schemes so if I, I, I if i have an idea of like a scheme or something I, I might kind of match it to an army more more likely the other way around um if i see like a really nicely painted army like, i really like that color scheme it really matches that army that actually might tempt me to collect that army and also i look at a model and i'm like can i paint that model sort of thing so that might tempt me to to start like a, a different project or something like that or a different army or a different war band um which leads me quite nicely into my, my second choice which for many might be their top choices and that is the actual miniatures themselves i mean we've all seen new releases come out and go right i need to start a new army because that unit looks absolutely incredible um the first time i saw the para the, the, the paragon war suits for the sisters that was probably the first time where i was like oh my god i need a sister's army um because they they look incredible um we were in warhammer world a few weeks ago and i think i pulled matt over and said matt i've now seen those vansar exosuit the exosuits <laughs> in person i now want a vansar warband because they are incredible um and I'm sure it's happened to you guys a lot, and I bet a lot of it is at War, Warhammer World as well. Um, so that that really you would think is 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 like the main draw for a lot of people, but actually something else has kind of taken over um, is my main draw for for um, for starting a project or in particular an army, um, and that's kind of come from the new editions of both Age of Sigmar and 40k and our kind of slight going away from a competitive nature and more into the narrative and that is crusade and path to glory content um in particular with crusade like i wanted to start a 40k army for for as part of my hobby resolution this year but i really wanted it to be something that i could play around with in a narrative sense and i wanted it to have some excellent crusade content already baked into the book to help me um, form this new army you know I, I really love death watch it's an army that i've wanted to build up quite a big painted force of but the crusade content was was lacking it didn't grip me and then i read the sisters crusade content and i was like the idea started flowing of, of, of what i could do with the characters what i could do with the background for my army and that was it that was like i'm sold that that is the that is the 40k army that i want to push on and do in in 2022 and of course path to glory is is still in its kind of infancy because we've only got what three battle terms that's it at the moment isn't it um but as new battle terms come out and we see more path to glory content because let's be honest i think we've seen the newer books for 40k have got the better crusade content i, I don't know if any of you guys agree with that yeah i think there's ups and downs isn't there? some, yes. some books have a disappointing crusade content 
event. Some yeah. of them had absolutely amazing crusade stuff. Obviously, GNC is coming next week, but they've got a extensive crusade section where you're slowly taking over a planet by taking out the infrastructure but there's a chance the populace realizes what's happening and you've got to try and overthrow the planet before they kill you i mean that's yeah. crazy as a, as a, as a like the old sub game within a game but then there's others where it's fairly bare bones and it's basically you get this buff go at it yeah i, I i'm really looking forward to you taking us through the gene stealer cult book next week matt but in particular the the crusade content um, I mean, I look at the armies that I collect and, um, you know, I mentioned earlier on Fangs and Sons, they had disappointing Crusade content yes. as well. So it's, um, yeah, that that for me now is, is the main draw. If, if I, I, I'm not sure what I'm doing with Age of Sigmar this year, but if a new battle term comes out with some really strong Path to Glory content in it, that could be what swings me to get a new Age of Sigmar army, uh, in my honest opinion. Um, Matt, what was your top three? So a lot of that's actually very similar in mine. So number three, I think it's one that we've all had in the past. It's it's, it's Black Library books slash Warhammer TV. So we've got a lot of Warhammer fiction now that really, for me, that's one of the main things that fuels an army. So reading the, the Siege of Terror Army, it was, I forget which book it is, Saturnine, I think it might be, where there's a epic cavalry charge essentially of the white scars all on their bikes and stuff and i haven't got as far as warhawk yet and it is on my to read this <laughs> you've got to read it but i but basically i read that chapter and ordered a set of um the the um astartes jet bikes to start a 30k white scar army just because i want to try and recreate that that kind of thing i don't know if you guys find uh, that you'll see certain passages in a book or things that happen like oh imagine being able to do that on the tabletop yeah i'm jumping in with my number three choice matt because it was also black library and i've got a massive ultramarines army now like four thousand points of ultramarines painted prior to reading about the ultramarines in the horus heresy series i was never interested in painting or starting a project of ultramarines after reading about gilliman and the ultramarines through this uh, horus heresy that just that was what motivated me and really inspired me to get that uh, Ultramarines army off the ground. And I, I'm not looking back. I, I normally add a unit or two every year to it. Um, so, yeah, Black Libraries are really, really good. And like you say, you mentioned Warhammer Plus. Mm. There's some really, really cool stuff. I mean, how many people must have started a Blood Angels and Gene Steelers Cults army off yes. of the back of Angels of Death? <laughs> yeah, if you like Tyranids, then you need to watch, um, I think it's Cadia Stands, which came out on Warhammer Plus. Um, as of recording today, um, that that that's made me um, very excited about Tyranids coming out at some point in the future. And it's it's so good that we've got this kind of stuff now. Imagine imagine when if, when we were kids, if we were able to watch you know <laughs> literally Warhammer cartoons. I'm like, oh my god, that's so good. So yeah, it's um, that's one of the things that kind of gets gets the creative juices flowing. Second choice on here again is another oldie but a goodie: a trip to Warhammer World. So obviously you mentioned that you know you'd seen the the the, the models in the store, and you're able to a lot of especially for a lot of the Forge World stuff. It is very different being able to see them in person rather than just images on the website isn't it but on top of that you've got the exhibition hall where they've got all of the heavy metal painted studio miniatures and it's i mean we've done it lots now but it's still a little awe-inspiring when you go through there isn't it mm. Mm. Yeah, you've, uh, you've now my number two off my uh, list there there'll be some overlap there'll be different bits we can cover but yeah. you know you've got the massive dioramas you've got the, the 
seeing the actual the actual miniature that you've seen on the box art and stuff and then not only that just walking around the hall and seeing other people play we were there a couple of weeks ago and they were having a, a heresy game with a lot of titans oh, yeah, involved the two warlords it was so good it was so in a massive swarm of demons and yeah, sanguinius was on there surrounded yeah. by was it nurgle demons i remember or something uh, I, don't, I don't fancy chances uh, but yeah you see, you see stuff like that in like events where you see other armies and go oh, that's a really cool idea for an army so yeah if you haven't been and you can get there get down to warhammer world you'll probably end up buying an army when you exit through the shop but uh yeah. didn't you do that last time the you went there uh, matt I, well, I you bought you Slanesh. Yeah. I bought my Slanesh, and that that segues quite nicely to my number one choice. So picking models for looks over rules. So I I've got a big a big kind of demons army, and I've always had a, a soft spot for the for the Slanesh models. And I think the thing that put me off them in the past was that it was quite even though it's a low model kind of army that means nearly it's quite expensive to do and. Um, Slanesh Mortals was one of the the Battle Force boxes this year, and we we talked about it in the car. And I was like, yeah, I would like to do them, but I, I don't know. But then we went through the the exhibition hall I mentioned earlier, and, and looking, it was the the guys have painted up this week that really saw with the, the Pain Bringers and the Twin Souls. I don't think I'd ever looked at them too closely because again, I assume they were quite small and. I don't know. I, I don't think I, I, may, I realized that the, the studio scheme was entirely metallic and they look so cool. Regardless of rules, they look so cool. I, I, I imagine there's there's an optimal build for them. I've built a unit of each because I wanted 10 different looking models, basically. Slangors, people, people, you know, don't rate, but they are so, so weird and unnatural. And I'm really enjoying painting them up just for the sake of painting them up and you know they'll be in my army they might not be the most optimal choice but they'll still be there because they look really really cool and i think because we play a lot of crusade and path to glory we're not necessarily chasing the meta as the cool kids say it doesn't matter as much for us to not have a, a tuned army or even a, an army that necessarily works amazingly together if you enjoy painting it and creating the army and having some games with that army and that's something that i guess i'm kind of doing this year just painting models because they look cool basically yeah i think that was a really good uh top choice matt uh 100 um andy what's your top three uh so my third choice is uh, one that sort of came about um towards the end of last year basically when the sons of bear matt um, came out and that's how quickly can I get a new army done by including models that I can use in multiple armies so you look at Sons of Bearmat and each of the Mega Gargants you can use in an Order army well you can use like the Kraken Eater in an Order army the Gatebreaker in a Death army etc etc I mean you look at like models like Nagash for example you know who, who just got his balance status like and he's still like 975 points, I think, roughly. And buying the Gash gives you almost a thousand points of four different armies. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm sort of looking at it and go, oh, okay, if I buy the Gash, and I've only got to paint a thousand points of flesh eaters, and I've got a flesh eater core army. Same thing with Nighthorn. I buy the Gash, I've only got to buy a thousand points of Nighthorn. You know, I don't have to do 
2,000 points to, to have an army. And I bought Kragnos just before Christmas as well. And he, he, he's intended to go into my Sons of Bayamount army so I can play <laughs> around and have some different models in it and stuff like that. But I can still put him in Gloom Spike Gits. I can still put him in uh, Cruel Boys, in my Ogres. So I, I look at models like that that have that multi-purpose, that multi-army use. And I, I, I look at them and think, okay, they might be like 95 quid, or I think Nagashi can probably pick up for like 65 quid, something along those lines. And I look at that and I think, I can do a brand new army without having to spend 400 pounds by including these sort of models. Um, and for me, that's really appealing. I mean, you look at... Um, uh, the bundle boxes they do, you know, there's um, a Shadow and Pain box, I think, that I've been eyeing up for, for a very long time with Daughters and Slash. And I look at both of those and think, that's amazing because realistically, all I have to add to both of those forces to get it to a thousand points is maybe one or two kits, like not a lot. Um, mm. So that, that's my number three. My, that's my third choice, just looking at how quickly I can get a project done by including certain models so my second choice um is a pretty obvious one um, and it's seeing other people's hobby progress so you know we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that um the, the progress that matt's made on his slanesh by painting up his pain bringers pain bringers and his twin souls it's made me want to go out and do slanesh <laughs> which you know which when i get around to my my top choice is is a terrible influence because i i look at these projects and i think like most war gamers we we can quite quickly almost like a butterfly we can float onto a next project paint up a couple of units and then you know we, we don't want to do anything and i've been guilty of that in the past where i've, I've bought stuff I've built and painted it or I've painted a couple of units and then it gets to like that 700 point mark and I just I run out of enthusiasm for it but seeing other people do stuff makes me want to pick up a paintbrush I mean White Dwarf one of the things that's made me resubscribe to White Dwarf is the tale of many gamers and it's just like every sort of two months they do an age signal on and then they alternate with um, 40k one in between and just seeing them paint up like 500 points over the course of two months I think to myself I can easily do that like there's nothing stopping me from painting 500 points over the course of two months and then before you know it like <laughs> I know it only comes out once a month but it feels like you, you know next month it, they're, they're finishing it off and all of a sudden they've got like 3,000 points of army painted and, and you get to see that through the issues just adding little bits here and there you know painting up my bone reapers over last year i didn't do it in one big go i did it gradually over the course of a year and by the end of the year i've got two thousand points i mean i've only played one game with them at 600 points but i've got two thousand points painted now and that's mostly because i've been seeing other people's hobby projects you know for all the bad things about Twitter the great thing is about is is it gives us the ability to showcase our hobby to other hobbyists and 
for me, when I see other people's armies and projects and stuff that they're working on, it really motivates me to pick up a paintbrush and paint. Um, so that's my second choice. My first choice is one that came about sort of halfway through last year. And I blame all three of you lot. Hmm. And that's being a part of a podcast. So being a part of a podcast, obviously, you know, it, you guys are a hobby. We all talk about a hobby pretty much on a daily basis, really. And, you know, talking about what we've been up to in the hobby at the beginning of a podcast, I, I almost feel I don't want to say pressure because I don't think there is any pressure, but I almost feel like this um, commitment to pick up a paintbrush and do something. And like even if it's just building some stormcast or building an underworld war band or reading about it, I feel like I have to do something for the podcast just so I can talk, if that makes sense. And I, I like I said, I, I think it's only a good thing that it's giving me the motivation to do a lot more. Like over the last couple of years, especially when like COVID was sort of like kicking off and we all went into lockdown and what have you, I was finding myself having these hobby, um, almost like respites where I just took, you know, didn't hobby for a couple of weeks, if not months. And then all of a sudden I just get back at it. Well, while I've been doing the podcast, I've not had any breaks from the hobby. Yeah, some weeks are slower than others, but I've been picking up a paintbrush. I've been doing hobby every single week. And it's because of the podcast and it's because of the listeners that I've been doing it. So, you know, thank you to everyone that listens and thank you to you guys for being uh, influencers of this hobby. <laughs> See, it's, it's, it's dangerous as well, isn't it? We've got quite a, I guess, privileged position where we get to see things a little bit earlier than most people and it's the hardest thing in the world not being able to talk about it because by the time the nda drops and we put the review out in our head we've already bought like a three thousand point army for it haven't we yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that, that's that's my first choice being a part of the podcast jay we've, we've already kind of had a, a bit of a sneak peek at yours but do you want to finish us off with your top three <laughs> yeah so so matt matt basically covered a lot of mine um yeah i think the setting's so rich um uh, we get black library novels coming out we're now getting animations and things and even like i mean i've been watching the lord of the rings trilogy i'm on the i'm on the return of the king this weekend and even that sort of thing ah oh, you know that's so cool i'm, I'm going to build an army like that so you get inspiration from everywhere for for building army, but definitely I've, I I can I can definitely um, pick out um, different projects that I've done that have been off the back of a particular Black Library novel. Um, I've got my Imperial Fists and Blood Angels sitting behind me as well, ready for um, the Horus Heresy um, um, refresh to, to eventually come out this year. We hope, um, and, and and a lot of that the the motivation to to paint those models comes from from reading those books. Um, Warhammer World as well was was my um, uh, second choice. Um, yeah, I can't really add much to what Matt said. It's great. I mean, if if you live in a different country, it's very difficult to get to Warhammer World. The the online previews that Warhammer do, uh, the Warhammer community do now uh, quite regularly are also really really cool for sort of um, you know uh, firing off that uh, motivation to start a project. I, I remember was it early last year when we had the um, Luminef uh, reveal. And that the Avelinor and the Mountain Spirit first appeared, and and, and then Teclis 
and straight away then that's I really wanted to get started with the Luminef army. Um, so um, I mean, it's just the, the sculpts they release nowadays and the paint jobs on the models they release just really really inspiring. Um, but the last thing that that, that the, the, the the majority of the projects that I kick off are off the back of conversations we have between us about campaigns or events we're going to do or uh, you know oh, wouldn't it be really cool if we did this really cool thing where the Luminef are holding out against the Slanesh invading them and we have different cities and tiles right yeah let's do that let's do that shall we shall we play Aeronautica at next week's um, next month's um, club night yeah okay right well I'll buy the Eldar planes you buy the Space Marine planes we'll get them painted up and we'll have a four player game it's things like that I think if you've got a good set of friends around you and you get to play regularly you'll always come up with an excuse to buy new kits and start new projects <laughs> regular listeners we're very excitable about all this kind yeah. of stuff it doesn't and, take uh, much to set you up doesn't, doesn't take much to sway us does it <laughs> absolutely I mean, not we, we, I mean we, we spoke at the beginning of the podcast about the, uh, um, the, the, the what was what's that the, the Eldritch uh, Omens uh, box that's mm. coming out with the, the new Eldar kits in and then, and then we've been treating to this path to preview so I mean it's that kind of thing that just gets the juices flowing and gets you wanting to work on a project as well Games Workshop got really good at that kind of thing now, haven't they? There was, there was a time where you wouldn't get previews like that. You, you'd just the first you'd know about it is the week before it goes up for pre-order, where they've kind of embraced the online community and the reveals and the preview shows and the seminars and all that kind of cool stuff, which makes you even more excited leading up to release, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. It'll be interesting to, to find out from the community what inspires them, but also I'd be interested to know how people stay sort of disciplined and focused because Andy touched on it. It is quite easy that the rate of releases we see from Games Workshop now, it's quite easy to bounce around between different armies and perhaps not finish a project. What well, you know, and it's understandable you get burnt out painting, you know, sixty night goblins or something. Dave, you've had the same issue trying to get your scaven off the ground yeah, early, you know, just before yeah. paint. Um, and I know Matt, you're very good at batch painting. Um, and nowadays, you know, you can put an audio book on or you can watch some Warhammer Plus in the background whilst you're, you're thinking, do people sort of set targets that are achievable for a night? I know I've had issues in the past where, you know, you, you put the base coats on a model, you put the first shade down and I hate looking at it. And I think I've got to finish this one. Model. I've got to highlight it and finish the eye lenses because I'm just not happy with the way it looks. You finish that model, but then that's obviously a very inefficient way of painting a unit of 10 Space Marines. You know, what tricks and tips do people have? Maybe that's a top three for the future. That's a good idea, yeah. Well, I think you transitioned quite nicely uh, into our final segment of this week's podcast, Matt. Professional. Uh, Jay, oh. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we did this one time now. <laughs> credit to Matt there um, with the community top three, which is coming up next. And so we move on to the final segment of this week's episode, and it's time to read out the community top three picks so um you know what inspires you to start a new project or army starting over on facebook nick rapsom his third choice is black library novels inspired me to start a heresy space wolf force his second choice is chatting with my local store staff that inspired him to start all kinds of things i know our local store manager <laughs> dan um yeah he he's he's inspired me to do different things maybe not do certain projects but definitely has inspired me in regards to paint schemes and stuff like that and his top choice is the range of models available, which has inspired him to start uh, an Adeptus Mechanicus army as his new year, new army. Great choice. They're, they're a fantastic army, the Admech. 
Liam Neal, he's a, and you listen to the podcast, so welcome to the community, Neil. Um, he's sent in his top three. His third choice is The Models. He's a sucker for new shiny plastic, aren't we all? I know I am. Um, his second choice is also um, inspired by Black Library novels, and his top choice is The Law and the Place in Their World. David Anderson finishes off on Facebook with his third choice, a new background that reveals more about an existing army. His second choice is new models slash rules that offer new play styles or that offer a new take on an existing play style. And his top choice is great background material that is reflected in how the army plays on the tabletop. This is the overriding reason I collect any army for any system. You can have the best looking models and the most overpowered rule set, but if your background doesn't grab my attention and this isn't reflected in your rules, I'm sticking with high elves. Great top choice. Um, Matt, what do we have over on Twitter? So over on Twitter, Jim Daduki says, for me, it's the only thing I do uh, like new models. I've never been a competitive player. It's not about new codexes. And can anyone really keep up with all the Black Library releases? It's all about the kits. And he shared some images of some of his armies that he's done based on the kits. Um, Adeptus Mechanicus, Astra Militarum, Nighthaunt and Skaven. And yeah, sometimes... I found there could be one model in a range that makes you end up starting an army. It is, it is a yeah, a pretty cool thing if you if if you fall in love with an army that way. Sai the Ogre says first it's a fluff and book stories for me. Problem is whenever I pick up a new Black Library book, I want to start a new army, uh, new model releases, and painting style has a massive impact. Some armies like Admech I've stayed away from until very recently due to all the detail. And that's something we have discussed on the podcast before, isn't it? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you talked about the Slanesh models, uh, Matt. They're quite quite detailed. Uh, and that has to factor into it as well, because if you've only got limited amount of time to devote to the hobby, you don't want to be working on an army where it, 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 there's so much detail that you can't. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, but I think Games Workshop offer a lot of options now. So, you know, you've got like ranges like the Stormcast and Space Ring, lots of flat panels with detail that you can go and paint if you want to or come back to later. They still look good with just the basic paint job, which is cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Fabius Fulgrim says, Black Library, cool models, and the voices in my head demanding I pay homage to the Dark Gods. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Average Paint says, reading Black Library books, they're always dangerous. My Black Legion was inspired by ADB's book series. You know, I'm surprised you haven't done a Black Legion army. Uh, I started uh, a Black Legion army. You dabbled with it, haven't you? I did, I dabbled with it, yeah. Yeah, those, those, I'm waiting for book number three, but yeah, I mean, I was never interested in chaos. Um, that's the closest thing that's ever come to corrupting me, to be fair. Um, <laughs> and Abaddon, before that book, before I read that book. Of course, couldn't, yeah. Couldn't care less about Abaddon. And then after reading those books, wow, so cool. I mean, and he's a really cool character in the Horus Heresy series as well, but yeah, Um I do like that author. <laughs> so average painter number two is visiting Warhammer World. That caused the start of their Great Knights Army. And then number three, listening to Spruce and Bruise. You guys made me want to try AOS. Well, I'm glad that we uh, inspired you. <laughs> uh, Nevermore says the models, the lore of a faction, uh, and cool colour schemes or army ideas for a faction I get when talking to other hobbyists. For example, a full cavalry army for Ossioc bone reapers that's a really cool idea though isn't it, it is. uh, anonymous rex uh, number three really interesting law that inspires me to create my own army and characters 
Number two, I picked up a Stormcast Lord from the Mortal Realms magazines and only painted it at the end of last year. Ended up loving it and, pick, and because of it, ended up picking up Dominion for more Stormcast. And uh, number one, chatting with mates and talking about Warhammer always ends up with me looking through models on the internet. Yeah, we've, we've all been there. Uh, Claude Savagely, number three, the quality of the models. There's always plenty to choose from. Two, exemplar armies from GW and the wider community, usually for examples of what you can do. Number one, the background, be that a book, codex, wider articles. Every time I read Gaunt's Ghost, I want a guard army. (laughs) (laughs) Rich Nowak says the look and feel of an army is huge. It's the biggest factor in collecting a new army. The lore in the history is also important. Finally, how it plays. I'm not a competitive player by any means, but it has to mesh with my playstyle. Now, this is something you you were keen on, Slanesh, yourself, weren't you, Dave? But I don't think you really liked the the more aggressive playstyle compared to some well, uh, fragile and aggressive playstyle compared to some other armies. I think that is a big like part of it. If you even if you love the model, if you don't like the way you play, you're not going to get on with the army, are you? No, no. I think that's a that's a major. Um, yeah, because at one point I was really into the idea of collecting Slanesh. I loved the book. I loved the majority of the models. Um, couldn't wait to pick up a Keeper of Secrets, but then I actually had a game with them, uh, and I just it, it didn't click for me at all. Um, and it kind of stopped me from buying any more. So I think that's um, a, a really good point, actually. I think when you start picking up a project, um, and it also helps with motivation, try and get some little games in. Make sure they're definitely the army for you before you invest too much. Uh, Mark Dewhurst says, uh, number three, how it plays. Number two, the lore and how it fits in the settings. And number one, how the models, particularly characters, look. This point can make the other two obsolete if the models are absolute beauties. Looking at you, Bellacor. Bellacor is gorgeous. And finally, him over there. So number one, lore and or novels about the army. Heresy is especially good for this. By good, I read dangerous. Um, Number two, ideas for colour schemes or themes. Really wanting to paint something is inspiring. And number three, I think this one applies to all of us, new models, shiny model syndrome is definitely a thing. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Matt, what is next week's top three? So next week, obviously we've seen a lot of uh, units get some new rules. We've seen teasers of the new Hammerhead. So with that in mind, we're going to know the top three units you'd like to get new profiles that capture the lore of that unit. Ooh, interesting one. And you can get your choices in early via our social media channels, or if you hang fire until the Sunday or Monday before we record, we'll pop a post out onto said channels, onto Facebook and Twitter, for you to reply to with your top threes. And we'll read out as many as we can on next week's show, and you'll have your little bit of fame being on the podcast. Um, I think that brings us to a close this week, Chance. It's, it's been a fun one. It has. Yeah, I, I want to paint some custodians now. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely. Ditto. Uh, I've got one actually, not all too far that far away from me. I built him. I think it was sometime before Christmas. The um, bot library guy, oh, Valerian. Yeah. Oh, Valerian. He's yeah. he's uh, one of the uh, well, all the characters in the Depths of Custodians unit. So uh, Codex is now very very good, but Valerian is especially good. His weapon has a similar effect. Is it the Nightbringer where it, you can't take any female pain saves against it? Oh. And he get he gets like um, he can only be hit on a four plus as well. Um, oh, he's wow. really really cool. Very good. It'll be like we'll go to the next uh, Warhammer World. We'll have a four player battle again. We'll all be bringing custodians. It'll be like that Spider Man meme where there's like points in it all. <laughs> <Spider-Man. laughs> custodians, custodians everywhere. 
<laughs> Excellent. Uh, and of course, um, any Genius of the Cult fans will be talking about your book next week as well. Um, for the time being, though, you can check out Matt's uh, written review and video um, taking you through the codex over on spruceandbruce.com. Again, I'll put the link to that in the podcast description as well as uh, Jay's Custodies uh, review as well. Until next week, have a great week of hobby, and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Bruce podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbruce.com, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruceandbruce, or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruceandbruce.